cults, coercion, and sexuality in society. These are the topics for The Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tees, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of the Frankie Files. This will be a continuation of the Morningland Papers. That was episode 46, 47, and 48. We're going to be discussing that today. How you doing, Mom? Oh, very good. Thank you. Well, it's interesting to be here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, well, we've gotten feedback and we'll be including that and we're also going to be including our thoughts as original Morningland members um, first generation what it was like to hear from Gopi X um, to hear about these various uh, stories I compiled about Morningland being a sex cult and then to hear about Lee O's interview which was pretty interesting you ready to get rolling I am very ready. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I'm Frankie, and this is my mom. We started episode 46 in this series with Morningland is a Sex Cult, and it's been there for 50 years, and I don't think it's been said plainly anywhere that it is. In fact, it was minimized by some people. Yet, it's known in various circles, sociology and psychology, that controlling someone's sex, disrupting their life through assigned partners, etc., and breaking up marriages, and um, then we even talked about forced or coerced vasectomies, even of gay people and gay men. It's pretty incredible. Um, so I had... I had some thoughts on that. Let me get started. The story of Kat is one I told, and that was because I was a direct witness to that story. Um, you know, it just really bothered me, and I was old enough at that time to see what was going on. It bothered me how this woman was used to attract the Navy guy. Shri taught him to get out of the military, the Navy, by doing conscientious objector, which he did. So during that instruction, they also were paired up, this woman. And it was really hard to watch. Like, um, she would even watch from the kitchen on the monitors how awkward they were together, knowing he probably wouldn't be very interesting to her who was either a sex worker or a prostitute. And I've had so many little hints of stories um, on blogs that I've read of Morninglanders who say they were assigned to see sex workers. This is some strange stuff that we have yet to uncover. And I personally saw Sri Patricia bring two sex workers off of Anaheim. <laughs> I am not kidding. And I still don't understand what this was all about. And that's a street in Long Beach. Yep. In Long Beach, Anaheim is a boulevard of hookers. And this white woman and black woman, she picked up from that area. And I remember because 
my sister and I were staying there illegally. We were each assigned one of these women to, uh, you know, help show them where to sleep, where we were in the back of the uh, storefront. One of the storefronts. <laughs> Prostitutes brought into training. What's the deal there? Still don't understand it. And then to assign them to young, young girls. And there was never sexuality between me and the prostitutes, so that wasn't the thing. But I just remember her saying we can train and, you know, spiritually progress anyone. It was like she was constantly trying to say and prove that. She could turn anyone into whoever she wanted. So that's something I really didn't include in that episode 46 I thought was worth mentioning. Hopefully some people will write us and tell us more about that. But then also um, our guest, Lisa Van Arsdale, who commented that that most cults love and Morning Lounge exhibited this. They like to break up secure attachments. And that began right away with us. That begins right away if you're a married couple. You're you're told you're on a different spiritual level. I do remember um, when I had finally decided to uh, go to Cult Awareness Network after I left and um, started learning about cults and what they do and what they have done. And I uh, started trying to reach out to... Um, to other people to prevent, do some kind of preventative uh, work. And uh, I got to hear from some of the couples that had left Morningland that talked about their experience of what they were um, not forced, but their master had told them to do. Not do this, do this, all about their sex life. And some people actually were assigned to other people. Uh, uh, constantly, by the way. Now I'm finding out that it was constant, that we all were. If you were taken, you know, into training, you were assigned um, someone sexually, multiple or single. Mm -hmm. And then um, I loved Lisa Van Arsdale's comments when she said it all plays out like some culty porno. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good. this whole thing does. And it was uh, just so foreign to me. I hadn't been aware of that um, based on we're not supposed to talk. Well, also the outer to... level of members right, who right. had jobs and, you know, weren't in clergy, weren't told Jack spit on purpose. A lot of secrets. Right. Lots and lots. Successfully, mm -hmm. they kept those secrets and were, you know, intimidating people into keeping secrets no matter if you liked it or not you you better not talk about it and then <laughs> i loved lisa van arsdale's comments don't tell mom or dad which she says is a classic abuse that adults do with children whether they're relatives or family members or strangers and she mentioned drew a correlation of Morningland doing that, and certainly to us. And that's like pedophile or abuse 101. Well done on that comment. Also, she said they were adding layers of distress by separating family members and other secure relationships. That's really important because um, when you're in distress, you make bad decisions. And if you 
kept in distress, you will continue to make bad decisions. And I think we all are human and we do understand that. It felt really good for me to just go on record and say Morningland is a sex cult because as a victim, which I articulate my story in our story in brief in episode 46, but just to say it, you know, let's get the word out that it's always been in play. It must have always been in play because these people that I talked to that were early disciples um, were telling me these stories about um, mix and match. Mandatory mix and match. But we can't tell you what to do. But if you do want spiritual growth, this is what you have to do. It is? Okay. The Frankie Files. Okay, moving on. We're going to be reviewing the episode 47 part of the Morningland Papers, The Day Donato Died. Let's start with some feedback from Lee O, one of the original members of Morningland, regarding that very confusing time period. He wrote me to clarify some of it, and let me read it to you. The attempted coup to oust Sri Patricia from Escondido didn't happen until nearly two years after Donato's death. He died in November of 76, as was stated, but that attempted coup didn't happen until probably August of 78. In my recollection, Lee says the period from the battle until the beginning of the clearing sessions was quite a nice time of harmony and growth. The battle itself was, of course, a nightmare, but that only lasted about four days to a week. And he's referring to there the time of Donato's death. Four days of chanting took place at three locations, all three locations, and all members were brought in to do it. And it was extremely strange, in my opinion. Anyway, he goes on. Starting in late fall or early winter of 77, things took an awful turn as for the worst as Sri Patricia began doing clearing sessions. Those were, as Gopi X described, a systematic tearing down of everything one was doing, all kinds of ugly accusations, mostly BS, about the motives of disciples, what kind of tapes, quote marks, are used there. We were running on the Gopis, blah, blah, blah. Lee states that the male disciples she refers to that at that point considered clearer than the Gopis were called the EWS, which stood for Early Warning System, just another protection from Patricia's paranoid mind, in his opinion. And yes, they got uglier and uglier until the Gopis, all except for Gion, were finally removed and the entire Escondido temple collapsed, along with most of the EWS. Lee says that happened around August of 78, and he remembers those dates clearly. And thank you for that, Lee, because although in Gopi X's writings, um, which I read, she states that nearly two years later, those clearings and that very strange midnight ceremony it's still really confusing. So we do appreciate all input on that. Okay, so so let's talk more, Mom, about the death of Donato. Um, I had confusion about how long it took mm-hmm. between this and that. I was shocked at it being two years. Well, also, when I spoke with Lee, he didn't know we were put on sabbatical for like six months. True. Right after the funeral. 
And so I think there was a ton of that going on. It's super strange, but it's almost like quarantining anyone um, who she wanted to keep from the current rumors and damage. And it was a lot of it because as he is clarifying for us here, there's an attempted coup to remove Shri almost two years after Donato's death. And that coup was motivated from Escondido. I really worked on my memory trying to um, think about whether I even knew that there was a coup. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. Well, it's odd. I do have a very strange memory, which I put in the memoir. Um, being in that really large hall, and one of the male, really top, high-level disciples introduced Shri as the current leader of Morningland. And I remember I looked up, and there was also a grumble in the crowd, like, huh? Current leader? As though there was another option? Because, like, they founded it together, right? So there's that. There was a lot there. There's definitely a lot there. Also, I heard something for the very first time ever as Gopiex, you know, pointed me to um, what journal entries to read. I was shocked that she started out with that she had heard some people, later disciples, didn't know Donato existed, that he was a physical man, that they thought he was a myth of some sort. I never knew that was propagated in Morningland. How very strange. Neither did I. I mean, we both met the man, and we were initiated by him. We were there a year. We were sent on a year and a half, maybe? I don't know. It was very confusing. Okay. So when we return, and then we really didn't know Sri Patricia from Escondido. She was there most of the time, and Donato and Gopis there were running Long Beach. So this was a big regime change. And when I look back at it and hear everyone's pieces that we have so far in 47 and 48, Lee and Gopiex paint a picture of how, what an opportunist she was. The Frankie Files. What is a Gopi? A Gopi is a Sanskrit term for a high-level clergy, religious priestess female. And there was a group around the original master, Donato. I always wondered how that worked. If they're married and he had a ring of gopis, was it like <laughs> orgies? What what, what what the heck was going on there? <laughs> anyway, a gopi um, is often the person that was out front reading, doing lectures and teaching classes. They're the clergy of the temple. And that's who was kicked out when Sri finally realized that she, if she was going to succeed, or maybe she heard wind of the coup, and if she was going to succeed, she had to kick out all the upper clergy that Donato trained. At some point, she had to realize that they were loyal to him, not her. Also, what stood out for me, I'd always wondered about this day, but to hear Gopi X describing Shri lurking in the background was super upsetting for me personally. You know, I was at this lodge. I ate food with her that she prepared. I was up in this attic and being sexually abused up there. Sometimes I look back and go, oh my God, was I in the company of a killer? And I can understand why you would feel that way. So disturbing. It is disturbing to be in the same place 
and doing the same things. Cooking that pasta like he taught her to make. He taught her and she taught me. <laughs> I'm a true crime story. Uh, but they also hid his death from the members that were still sleeping. That was strange. Was the priority to hide the death? Why? Hmm. And then Shri had at the ready. He had put all his time into getting ready for this day. This is meant to be. She was quick. And then isn't it strange to hear how crazy chanting to save Morningland? What a concept. Now, now, Mom, I was recently watching the Luz de Mundo documentary, and it's like they did the same thing. It's a 100-year church, Restoration Christian Church. But um, when one of the brothers or the father died, the brother was next in line was going to get it no matter what. And they had them gnashing and praying, the whole congregation around the world, gnashing their teeth and praying for weeks so that the vision would be clear who should be the next leader. It was all a ruse. And it feels like so much like this. Like, this man dies. Shri and Donato had been having public arguments in some in front of some of the board members previous to this. I do remember that. You hear that? Mm-hmm. I do remember people talking about that, that she had, uh, he had yelled at her, telling her that she didn't know what she was talking about. And I don't know the subject, but they were very upset. They were having a difference in vision. In opinion on something, but right in front of the whole crew. Yeah, and she was so dramatic. So when he dies, she she does like kind of like what Lilith Demundo did. We must save Morningland. Everyone to your positions and chant. <laughs> like your life depends on it. Our lives depend on it. And she said that it was the they're trying dark forces are trying to close the vortex. Right. We had to we had to get Donato's uh spirit up to the Mothership up above Long Beach. Yeah, I remember that. And you can find, do more research, people who are listening. Um, in 1978, and that this is also um, an article on x-morninglanders.com. I believe it was uh, a San Diego paper articulating these clearing sessions, articulating um, the mass excusals, um, the legal issues they were facing in Escondido that pretty much forced the hand for Sri to move to Long Beach. And she also brought um, Saravati. I now know like how much they used sabbaticals to control people and send them away at various times where she could um, control the narrative. That's so strange to me. The Frankie Okay, episode 48 was an introduction um, to our first interview with an ex-member, Lee O. And he was an uh, early member, first-generation member, who was initiated by Donato, like my family. So we had met the man, we had spent time with the man, and we will get into that in my mom's interview um, in the future. But a couple of things stood out for me hearing Lee's interview. But let's get to yours first. So talk to me, Mom, about what it was like hearing Lee's story. Well, I remember Lee. I 
um, became a disciple in 75. And uh, I just remember Lee. <laughs> and, and I know he has uh, quite a, a different view on life, on religion, on what transpired in Morningland. But I am so appreciative of him um, giving his thoughts because, uh, quite honestly, as I was listening to the interview, I was able to go back and listen and uh, remember things, connect things that uh, it was, seems like another life ago. Mm-hmm. However, it also allowed me to again face what Morning Land really was. And I'm using it as a was because that was when I was there. But it is also what Morning Land is. It is not new, it is not gone, it is still pumping away. And hurting people. I know this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to know the people that are new disciples, etc. I know the people that are old disciples. They haven't changed. Right. And one of my struggles as a person who was young in Morningland is connecting to the other kids. You know, you guys have a different perspective. You went there as adults. And the whole time I'm listening to Lee, I'm hearing his perspective, which I wanted to hear. I I didn't really get to do that like some other people. Um, yeah, so, so hearing Lee's perspective really opened up my memory, too, just like you. And I'm sure other listeners are going through this that are ex-Morninglanders. One of the topics Lee brought up early is that he had asked Mary... He had asked her if she did drugs with Donato. She mentioned that she did acid with Donato, like a guided trip. And, you know, while it was hidden while I was there, I think that drugs were going on in Morningland throughout. And at some point, they probably got legal advice to keep it quiet. But he speaks about, you know, Mary doing drugs with Donato, doing acid with Donato. And I'm plagued with why I was, you know, revived with smelling salts at the lodge multiple times. I know I was somehow given drugs and I don't know how or what they were. I remember your sister talking about that. Yeah. She was there. Right. Absolutely. She she saw me getting revived with smelling salts. Yes. Yep. Right. And these memories are vague because probably, I'm guessing the drugs erased my memory. But but it, it's like he said he never saw anyone outwardly doing drugs. So when I saw the Rajneesh documentary, I remember that they, they were dosing their own members to keep control of them. They would serve them beer, but they would put, um, uh, like, relaxants in it to make sure, because they had recruited a bunch of homeless people, mm-hmm. to make sure they wouldn't um, have any psychotic episodes or go off on the kids to control them. And I wonder how many ashrams, quote mark, 
had this policy because it did seem like a thing in the 70s. It's very disturbing to me to wonder about that all that unfettered time I spent with Shri. But he speaks about his encounter with Donato not being a drug experience. And that was really interesting to hear him compare it to a near-death experience. Near-death experience, likely. But I had a similar experience that was transcending, if you will. It was out-of-body experience. It was within our evening meditation as a group. Uh, This was in 76, I believe. And um, it was pre-death of Dan. And it was beautiful music. I loved Morningland's music. Lee, I loved Morningland's music. I was um, viewing the, the room from on top of my head, as if I were sitting on top of my head. And everybody's body had light in it, like a round energy of light. That's all I saw. I didn't see the human body. Hmm. And I, it had um, it had a very calming effect on me to uh, calm the nerves that I had from a very difficult week in my real life. So uh, after the music was done, I went right back into my body. So I feel very lucky because I I understand that a lot of people that have out-of-body experiences have difficult time getting back in their body. I can understand that. I didn't really want to go back into this. But because um, <laughs> it's pain here on Earth. It's a lot of pain. When And Lee mentions Donato's mild-mannered demeanor. He was. He was like an everyday guy. You know, I was thinking about the difference. Uh, thank you, Lee. Uh, also thinking about the difference of Pat and Dan. Right. And um, the whole time that I was in, uh, that Dan was in Long Beach before his death, I ran into him a number of times during class and in between classes and stuff like that. I never felt nervous. I never felt, um, and you know, like, oh, look, there he is. You know, <laughs> like some people get. I felt very comfortable. I didn't, um, I didn't have any bad, ill feelings at all. Now, fast forward to the rest of my time in Morningland. Anxious, anxious, anxious. <laughs> fear, fear, and fear. Right. And yet, I I remember Dan talking about uh, the astral planes, and if you uh, you know don't do what you're supposed to do, I guess. Uh, how did he put it? Um, he, it was a fear thing about the astral planes. You know, you'll get stuck there. I get think. stuck in the astral planes. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yep. So it was still there. Yeah. That topic of fear was still. Uh, being used, I guess, on the gopis to hold them in line. I think that's where what you were talking about, uh, Lee. Sabbaticals were an interesting topic Lee brought up. And um, it really did surprise me 
how much of that was being used to control people, almost like a quarantine, like I mentioned in another segment. The the control factor is really important. We didn't have the internet, so it was just like news articles or whatever they would have to control us from seeing. But Shri needed to maintain that control after Donato's death, um, or the church probably would have fallen into some other person's hands. Um, and it was so aggressive, so aggressive. If you said or did the wrong thing, you and Lee discusses, he was put on sabbatical for six months and have to move out of the house of the person you're living with, who is your partner in life, like so uprooting. And it was so cruel. It stood out for me, the cruelty of constantly breaking up couples for their quote, spiritual development. He he tells the story of how his wife, Celine, was sat down by Shri and told, if you want him to grow spiritually, you need to divorce him. They'd been married several years. That's just astounding and cruel. And they did follow those orders. I didn't even know that happened. And I, how many stories like this? I kind of think he wasn't alone on that oh, uh, number of people we, separated. We know. Right. Yeah. I already know. Like there was also gay couples who were treated this way and then told this right. isn't your partner. Right. Not necessarily the making them. Well, there was a gay guy who was made to date women, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Sexual disorientation to for control. That's the reason I think it's important that the public understands Morningland is a sex cult because sex cults are about controlling their members in every way, including your fallopian tubes and everything, all the equipment for breeding. We're going to control that. Well, they didn't want babies, clearly, you know. The Frankie Files. That um, Donato's death with at a couple seminar reminds me, makes me realize what a grift it's been for them for so long. These couples, quote marks. <laughs> you know, the Catholic Church does this couples counseling too it's like what is your goal though to control the couples to get their money to entrench them in these long sessions that are a series it's not just one time thing but i didn't know donata was doing them i guess what i'm getting at is it's a pretty good grift couples counseling and so these couple seminars one of them i was at which is again really spooky I helped her, I helped Shri create the pasta. She taught me their secret recipe. Helped her, you know, I was her go-to slave. Preparation, you know, we did all this and they arrived. And there, I remember sitting ready to serve whoever needed it of the upper clergy. And I think there was two or three people there. Shri Donato, maybe X5 or someone else. And, you know, one of the couples starts confessing that they had sex. They were on, because they're, quote, in training in this group. I don't even remember. There were so many different spiritual orders created. It was one of the strange manipulations. She would be like, you're in training now. You're in this, in this new group, a special order called Kamazi, <laughs> called Gopi, called um, the Daughters of Isis, called EWS, Early Warning System, called the Tribunal, Kushetria. Oh, it was un 
limited. So in this, they start confessing they had sex. And they were only, because they had been initiated into this group, they were only supposed to have non-coital sex. These are married couples. You're telling them they can't have penetration. Like, it's a sex cult. And I just remember the torture on this married couple's face. Like, we've always been doing this. It's like almost impossible not to. And I'm thinking, I need to go. Get me out of this room. Oh, my God. I don't want to hear one more second. It was torture for everyone. We're just sitting, almost like you're just sitting there like, stop talking about sex. So we can not be turned on and not not do anything about it. You know, like, I I feel like. The revving up of people and then deprivation of sex was another thing. She gave everybody blue balls. It was fun for her. Quite a sick individual when you look back at it. When you're talking about uh, Dan, who has abandoned two families prior to this, guiding (laughs) married couples. Okay. Well, I interviewed a guy who went like to be a missionary in training and he was being trained a young person like barely 18 he was being trained to do couples counseling for catholic church the frankie files when i asked lee what were the clearing sessions like he was like they were absolute psychological torture but do you remember, you know, what was shocking to me, mom, is that he said there would be a, a list in the hall. That's what I don't remember. I forgot. You, oh, my God. Not, that's so. You, saw, you remember that? It makes sense. Wow. It makes sense. It's almost like Auschwitz. You go to the left and you go to the right. You know, Ooh. like you're a set for destruction because <laughs> it was destruction. If you got put on this chopping block. Everyone had their shot, and it was so much like Synanon or Scientology. One, the attack therapy in Synanon, which purported, which was a lie, that this is a safe space where you can say anything, and people used it to degrade someone they didn't like. And then Scientology, she stole this idea of clearing the planet. And she would call it a clearing session, meaning what's in your mind needs to be clear before you are, you know, in connection to the master or your higher self. What's blocking you? And of course, that would be used at any time to bother anyone. Remember those clearing sessions? Very vaguely. Oh, yeah, because she blocked it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm remembering what uh, Lee said about uh, being a fool and st- Standing up and and speaking <laughs> during one of those. I wasn't. I never said one word. That was the thing is I watched you become mute over the years because you literally, it's like you're outnumbered. What do you say? Everything you're going to say, they will turn it into some strange narrative example. If you say, you know, and while you... Um, worked nights at the post office, an incredible difficult thing to work graveyard. Of course, you're going to be more frustrated if you get woken up during the day by your daughters. (laughs) And I know you mentioned something about it, you know, and they turned it into you're a bad mom. Over time, that's what you were healed of. And then, as you know, that went in some kind of book. Oh, yeah. It's like, wait, wait a minute, you scoundrels, healed of 
Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode, though, the fake healing. We are going to go there. Ah, uh, yeah. We are. So many things that we don't know. And um, whether we believe what somebody else is has experienced or we interpret it differently, it's always helpful to have more information than no information. This is going to be helpful. Definitely. And since I had left in 87, I never got more information. Um, it's like there was a group of people that were all kicked out in early 80s, 82, 83, 84, who gravitated together. The rest of us were disconnected from that island of people. And looking back at it now, there's a complete gap from 2003 to now in news articles, meaning that, yes, this website existed, but they've done a great job, Morningland, of making it not reach their next victim. And this is what our show is about. Yes, it is about Morningland, but it's also about spotting the behavior of cults. And for me, with knowing that Morningland is in their 50th year, they've clearly figured out how to go under the radar of having people live there illegally, of claiming fake healings, of running a sex cult, of getting access to young people and getting them separated from their parents, and it can last a lifetime. This was a great effort, and we're going to have another round of the Morningland Papers. You can bet on that as people are starting to come out of the woodworks and get into our email. Good, good. Mm. Yeah, so give me a knuckles. Thanks, Clank. Mom. <laughs> this is going um, where we want it to go. And one of the differences is there's never been a podcast that's covering Morningland, and there's never been a true crime angle that we're coming at it from. We are not um, interested in romanticizing the time in Morningland. It hurt a lot of people. And while some people want to focus on the tortoise and how cute they dress and they give bread to the community, just know that's the storefront that's there to put you off, just like the Yellow Deli is in 12 tribes but the people get abused in 12 tribes once they get trapped in and they have trouble getting out just like i did now we if you are a young person that was in Morningland, we especially want to hear from you above all else it has been wonderful to get with a gopi who was original member early early in this cult we also got a young man who, you know, went at around 25 from all the way from Pennsylvania to move to California for this cult. What about the kids? One of the things that's been frustrating for me is that I know other people were abused and I haven't ever seen any news or websites properly reflect that. And in speaking out, I'm really hoping that I give you guys that were there, the courage to come forward like me. And you don't have to use a lot of personal information. Once we get you verified, I encourage you to contact the show by going to frankiefowlspodcast.com. We want to hear from you. If you were a young person, when you were at this cult, Morningland, we want to hear from you, especially got to look out for those cult kids 
it's easier to talk to people who went in as an adult. They don't have the attitude that someone like me has. Well, one of the things that I learned in uh, my research uh, through Cult Awareness Network is that the most uh, the adults that go into an organization, whether they be um, oh, 20, that's pretty young, but, you know, college era, uh, or 40, we have a life to go back to. We have something prior to our experience in a cult. The children like my daughters that came in at an early age don't really have much to go back to. You don't want to go back to an eight-year-old or a five-year-old or a three-year-old. You know, life has become what they experienced in a cult. It's special. It's a special need. We need to talk. And we need to get those stories out, so we're ready to do so. You know, I am so appreciative of the people that have been coming forward with information. For those of us that have a lapse of memory from certain times, like me, there were times where I just don't remember what was going on. Maybe it was just because I wasn't involved in what was going on. That's true. But it's so very helpful. Um, Gopi X, thank you so much. This has caused me to do further facing of the truth about Morningland and what it is. I had to face the facts about Dan Sperato and who he was as a man. I had to face the facts. I am facing the facts of who Pat Hmm. was. I'm still facing the fact of who Peggy is. Saravati. Saravati. I'm still facing the fact of who Shokru is. Mary. And... Terry Smith. These interviews have shown me that it's really important to hear from people um, their experiences because we get to see through their eyes. That That's the easiest thing I can say is, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, um, oh, thank you for filling in that blank. Or... Um, I did not know that took place. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Frankie Files Podcast. If you want to support the show, check out FrankieFilesPodcast.com. You can also check out my Substack, which has other content, FrankieTees.Substack.com. And thanks, Mom, for your commentary and your upcoming interview that we're going to do. You're welcome. Bye, Frankie's Mom. Bye, Frankie. The Frankie Files.